Welcome to today's energy show. Now, energy costs are changing really fast now. And there's also a lot of new energy-saving technologies that continue to come to the market. So in many ways, what we thought about energy, even just a few years ago, may not be accurate anymore. Things change. So this week, we're going to be talking about 10 energy-saving myths. Um, my producer, Chris, suggested I call them misconception because I'm having trouble pronouncing the word myths. I'm going to give it a shot anyway. So here we go. 10 energy-saving myths that um, I, I just see out there and uh, that will kind of correct people's decisions about energy-saving technologies and energy usage. Now, here's one that, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of this too. Uh, it's, we, we've always thought that electric cars are cheaper than gas cars. Well, gas prices come down from over $4 a gallon, and now we're in sometimes the low twos. So when you start running the math on the price of operating a car on gas versus the price of operating a car on electricity, um, it's changed. Now, here in California, we pay a lot of money for electricity, but still, uh, it, it, it's flipped. So here's here's an example. Gas at $2.5 a gallon. Say you have an efficient car, you get about 40 miles per gallon. You can drive 16 miles per dollar. And let's say you have a, a big car, like a fancy Mercedes or something, it might get 20 miles per gallon. That's eight miles per dollar. So the the the, um, the higher the number, the better. So here in California, average electric prices, if you're just charging up with a regular electric rate, about 25 cents a kilowatt hour. Um, and then a typical electric car, maybe two and a half, 2.3 miles per kilowatt hour. Um, and that's kind of what a Tesla gets or a Volt gets. Or, uh, it's, it's surprising that almost all the EVs have about the same miles per kilowatt hour. So at, two, at 25 cents and 2.3 miles per kilowatt hour, you can go nine miles per dollar. So um, uh, gas is almost, to, on an operating basis, twice as efficient that, than cheap, than expensive electricity. And whether you're talking about a little car or a big car, a, you know, a Volt or a, a Tesla, it's about the same. So uh, one thing you can do with electric vehicles, and, and you know, just, just keep in mind, I'm a big proponent of electric vehicles. That's going to be the future. Um, the public charging stations sometimes charge even more. And then on the other hand, some people have free charging at work or you can go on a special home charging electric rate, which is really cheap. So if you can charge at work, or if you can get one of these really expensive nighttime charging rates from the utility, uh, the electricity turns out to be about the same as, as gas. Now, also, if you charge up with solar, if you have solar in your house, electricity is cheaper. But um, just if you just look at the price at the pump and ordinary electric rates, bizarrely, in California and many other places, gas is cheaper than electric. Now, on the other hand, we know that gas prices are going to go up again and electric car prices are going to continue to decline. Uh, the other thing to, to keep in mind, and this is just a really nice surprise about electric vehicles, the, um, the maintenance is very low. Pure electric vehicle, there's no gas engine, there's no coolant, there's no oil that needs to get replaced. The, there's no, the brakes almost never need to get replaced because they're regenerating. Um, it's using regenerative electricity. So it's really, really good. Much lower than maintenance. But So that's the number one myth that buy an electric car because it's cheaper. May not be. Clearly better for the environment. Number two, rooftop solar is an expensive way to get electricity. Now, it used to be because solar panels used to cost a lot of money. A typical house might cost like $30,000, but now that price is down to like $10,000. So um, with, with the incentives that you have in some states, and, and by the way, California has no incentives, um, but we don't need them because the electric rates here are so high. Um, and we still have this big federal incentive called the 30% investment tax credit. So when you, when you take into account the fact that the prices of the solar panels and the installation has 
come down almost by a factor of three over the past five years. And we still have this big 30% investment tax credit. Uh, solar is way cheaper than electricity from your utility. Uh, we're, we're typically installing systems here at Cinnamon Solar for about 10 cents a watt. Um, that, that means uh, compared to, say, 25 cents a uh, kilowatt hour for um, uh, electricity. So it's way, way, way cheaper. Big, big benefit. Also keep in mind that the price of uh, electricity is going to continue to go up and the price of solar is going to gradually come down. We're, we're at, a, at a point right now where the labor costs are much bigger than the equipment costs for solar and the labor costs aren't things that come down so quickly. We've already benefited over the last five years from big declines in solar panel um, and, and material costs. Um, so, so the prices of the solar installation not going to come down a lot and the electricity prices are going to gradually go up. So the, the um, economics of solar is going to continue to get better. That's kind of an interesting myth that um, rooftop solar is expensive. Maybe some people will tell you that, your utility will tell you that, but believe me, it's a pretty cost-effective way to go. All right, myth number three. Uh, buying new energy-efficient appliances will save you money. Well, you got to remember that um, you have to pay for the cost of the appliance. Now, without a doubt, appliances these days are way more efficient than appliances of the past. Um, an old refrigerator would use 1,400 kilowatt hours a year, and a new refrigerator might use three or 400 kilowatt hours a year. So at 25 cents a kilowatt hour, just doing the math, it's $350 a year for, for running that old refrigerator. And we're not even talking about something that old. It's like 10 years old um, versus maybe $100 a year now. So you're going to save $250 a year. And if that fridge costs you a thousand bucks, you got a four-year payback. So um, the, the, the advice there is think about, do the math and think about if it makes sense for you to invest in a new energy efficient appliance. Now, when I look at the declines in the, uh, the improvements in efficiency for some of these appliances, big improvements for things like refrigerators and, and certain air conditioners um, and, and also televisions. I forgot about that. So uh, TVs, those old two TVs use a lot of electricity. Plasma TVs use a lot of electricity. The new energy efficient LCD flat panel displays, pretty darn efficient. So um, run the math. I'd say if you have an old refrigerator, um, definitely think about replacing that. If you have things like a washer or a dryer or a dishwasher or things like that, that the efficiency hasn't improved that dramatically. So it's probably not worth buying a new one and throwing the old one out. But for things like refrigerators and, and uh, old TVs, definitely worth considering. Now, one thing that you shouldn't do is take that old refrigerator and put it in the garage to keep your beer cold. I'm totally guilty of that. I've got two refrigerators in the garage because we've got all kinds of you know, frozen food and, and leftovers there. That's kind of dumb. I probably should sit down and run the math with my wife and say, honey, let's buy a new refrigerator for the garage instead of the one that's 15 years old. But, but it's surprising how much more efficient certain appliances have gotten. The general advice, wait for your appliance to die and then buy the most efficient one you can get. Also, look into what you can get for utility rebates. Sometimes utilities have like a, a $50, pretty easy to collect rebate if you buy a new uh, energy efficient appliance. And that, that's good. All right, myth number four. The myth is that gas prices are going to stay low. Now, we have this kind of habit and, and, and reaction to say, well, we see a low price, we, we think it's going to stay low. Um, this has been a, a very recent trend over the past, like, 
you know, six months or so, the gas prices have come steadily down. And, and, you know, here we are in January and the prices are still coming down gradually. Um, but there's no doubt in anybody's mind that they're going to go up again. The question is when and how much. And we had a show uh, about a month ago or so on the Energy Show talking about the reasons why gasoline is so cheap. And, and fundamentally, it's an economic issue. There's a lot of supply of oil and the demand for oil has gone down. So the Saudis and, and other Middle Eastern countries are just pumping like crazy. They really haven't slowed down. Um, I, I think I read uh, recently that the U.S. is now the, the biggest or the second biggest supplier of oil. So all of the fracking and, and all of the drilling that we've been doing, drill baby drill over the past five years, um, it's resulted in a pretty big supply of oil in the U.S. So um, the, the demand from, from U.S. Um, refiners of overseas crude oil has gone way, way down. Um, we're now, I don't know, it's my, maybe we're meeting about half of our oil needs from, from domestically supplied oil. So there's a lot of excess supply in the world. But that's going to change. The economic conditions in, in, in the rest of the world are going to improve. might take a while because it looks like we're going to a recession now internationally, not in the U.S. So, but when, when, the, when the world recovers, the demand for uh, gasoline is going to continue to go up and supply is going to be constrained again. And what we're finding, and, and this is no surprise either, that the, the companies that are drilling and supplying oil in the U.S., um, it, it was a really great business when oil was selling at $100 a barrel. Um, and these companies were making tons of money. Now oil's at $50 a barrel, and they're losing money. So they're not going to continue to lose money. They're going to slow down drilling. Um, they're going to slow down the pumping, just kind of leave the oil in the ground. Um, and uh, that's going to also reduce in a reduction in supply. And, and uh, when demand comes back, price is going to go up. So prices will go up again. But the really, really good thing is that we, uh, we have um, fuel economy standards. We're all driving cars that are more efficient. We're starting to transition to cleaner sources of, of energy when we're running cars with electricity. A lot of that electricity is generated from renewable sources. So there's less demand for, for uh, oil and gas. So keep in mind, um, gas prices are not going to stay low. They're going to go up again. What we should do is uh, continue on our trend of efficiency. Don't buy a gas hog if you can avoid it. Stay efficient. And then um, we'll, we'll all benefit both from a cleaner environment and spending less money on fuel. Okay, myth number five, uh, solar for no money down is a great investment. Solar for no money down is good because you don't have to lay out any cash and it's really good for the environment and it's a nice thing to do, but as far as being an investment, not so good. So uh, here's just some of the basic numbers. Uh, and I'm just talking about if you were to lease a solar power system or get something called a PPA, which is just uh, very similar to a lease. So here's an example. Typical customer. We deal with them all the time here at Cinnamon Solar. You have a $200 electric bill. You put in solar. Your bill goes down to $50. You have $150 saving. That's great. But then you have a $125 lease payment every month. So you're really only net saving about $25 a month. And then just kind of going over the, the numbers for what you're paying net for the remaining electricity and your financing payment, you're going to pay about $60,000 over 25 years. Now, I'm not doing any net present values or, or, or price escalations or anything like that, keeping the numbers really, really simple. But that's the way the math works out. You're still going to pay for your electricity. Um, it's the electricity and the, 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 the financing for the electricity system, about $60,000. Now, let's compare that 
to what would happen if you were to buy a system. And you can buy a system if you have the cash, use um, other investment money, or even borrow the money for it um, on a short-term loan. That makes sense. So same exact system. You're going to save the same $150 a month. System costs $12,000. You're going to get about a seven-year payback. Uh, in some places, it's going to be much better with incentives. Um, you're going to end up spending about $25,000 over 25 years, as opposed to $60,000 if you were to lease it. So $60,000 versus $25,000, boom, right there, you're saving $35,000. That's pretty good. Now, there's another um, another advantage of owning a system over leasing it, and that's if, if it's your asset, if you own it, it's an improvement to the house, and it increases the value of your house. If it's something that's leased or it's part of, uh, you know, basically a, another corporate entity owns it, um, it doesn't really significantly increase the value of the house. And, and this is just something that's been documented by studies out there. So if you're, if you're looking at thinking about solar, I, I strongly recommend that if, if you can afford it, if you have a good credit score, and if, you, if you've got available sources of cash, definitely buy the system. And if you were to work out what the return on investment for owning the system is, you're looking at a, a, an after-tax return on investment typically of 15% or more. And I challenge you to find any investment out there, um, stock market, money market, borrowing, you know, uh, uh, money loaned at the bank. You're not going to come close to that 15%. And as long as the sun comes up, you're going to continue to get that. And that's after including all the kind of maintenance things that you may have, et cetera, et cetera. So definitely, I suggest buying a system rather than leasing it. Okay, myth number six, LED bulbs are expensive. Well, here's another one of those situations where an expensive new technology like LED bulbs has gotten really inexpensive. Um, when they first started coming out, LED bulbs were like $40. It was a, a novelty. Some people just wanted to try a few out. I didn't even test it at that point. Then the price came down to $25. Then the price came down to about $12 a bulb, and they started showing up in the big box retailers. Now the prices for LED bulbs are down, down around $5 a bulb. And at that point, it's just an absolute killer slam dunk to replace all of your commonly used light bulbs with LEDs. So go around your house, look at, especially, uh, I, I know in my house, we use the kitchen a lot. We have um, uh, the dining room lights are on a lot. The hallway lights are on a lot. Even the bathroom lights are on. So we're, we've just replaced everything uh, with LEDs. And in most cases, we replace the CFLs with LEDs and, and really the, the CFLs are okay too, comparable efficiency, um, but the uh, I, I like the LEDs because they're dimmable. And here's just some of the math, and, and I ran, ran these numbers. If you just kind of go into your, your big box store and you look at buying regular bulbs and you compare a, a regular, um, they call them Edison bulbs, it's a heated filament, they, they barely even sell those anymore, I think they've been banned, um, or you compare it to some of the new bulbs which have actually a little halogen element in there which still isn't that efficient, Compare that to a CFL or an LED. Um, the, um, the, the LEDs are going to give you an operating cost over five years. And I like to look at it over five years because the ordinary bulbs burn out um, after you know, a year or two. The CFLs burn out after like five years or so. And I was surprised to see how quickly my CFLs burned out. They didn't last forever. And I've never had an LED burnout yet. And, and it's kind of strange, but you look at every single LED and they all say that they last 22,000 hours. Now, I don't know how. Maybe that's just how long the, 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 the element works. Probably not going to last that long. 
nobody's really going to care. But if you just kind of say, hey, that thing's just going to last way more than five years, and you look at the energy costs, the energy cost for an ordinary bulb, $150 if you were to run it over five years. Energy cost for a CFL, uh, $32 over five years. And the energy cost for an LED, and these are LEDs that are $5 a bulb, around $26. So big, big improvement there. Um, So uh, forget about what you, you were pricing these things out a year or two ago. LEDs are great now. Myth number seven, electric utilities like energy efficiency as well as solar and wind. Well, don't listen to the commercials. Um, Look at what they do, not what they say. Remember, utilities make money by selling electricity and they make money by getting a return on their assets. What are their assets? Power plants and generating facilities and transmission and distribution, all those power lines. So if they don't own those assets, And if you're getting electricity from solar on your roof or something like that, um, it's not good for them. So what what the utilities will say is that renewables are good, but only if we own the asset and sell the power to you. So you really don't get a benefit from it at all, um, although the environment's improved, and that's great. So time after time, we've seen this happen in states all over the country that um, the utilities are against customer-owned renewables, even customer-owned generating facilities of whatever nature. They're also generally against energy efficiency. They don't say that, but once again, energy efficiency is just like renewables. It's it's power that they don't get to sell you, and it's it's um, an asset that they don't get to own. Now, w- the way that, um, that the U.S. and many states have dealt with that is they've had these things called renewable portfolio standards requiring utilities to have 30% of their power or more. That's the case in California, and actually uh, Governor Brown just increased that to 50%. They want, fi- in California, 50% of our generation from renewables, and that's not including what homeowners put on place, that's utilities. So when the utilities hit those renewable uh, uh, numbers, 30% in California, they stop buying renewables. And, and what's happened in California is utilities are no longer putting in solar and wind because they hit their 30%. That's why Governor Brown wisely said, hey, let's raise the money up, R- raise that number up to 50. So we're going to see that again. Typically, uh, utilities are, are not going to be in favor of your ability to make your own power. Myth number eight, Clean coal. Two words, clean coal. It's a myth. doesn't exist. It's just a fundamental thermodynamic thing. Fossil fuel combustion. This is how we burn coal, gas, oil, anything. Um, it's combustion. The, this hydrocarbon burns. It's, it's hydrogen and carbon bonds. It gives off heat when these bonds are broken. That's great. We use the heat to run turbines. Um, and the waste product is CO2, um, uh, carbon from the, f- the fossil fuel, oxygen from air, and water. Um, more more oxygen from the air, and that's where the hydrogen goes. Um, there's also some bad stuff and pollutants and mercury and things like that, and that's one of the reasons why coal is bad. And that's also one of the reasons why natural gas is better, because it burns so cleanly. But natural gas and uh, clean coal and coal still burn, um, and they produce a lot of CO2. CO2 is bad for the environment. That's what causes global warming. So the, the uh, solution, possibly, hypothetically, but impossibly, is to capture the CO2. So you, you kind of capture that waste stream that comes from the power plant. There's ways to do that. It's called carbon dioxide sequestration. You can capture it. You can pump it underground. You can turn the CO2 into something else like limestone or baking soda or whatever. Find a way to use the CO2. But fundamentally, if you paid attention to your, your science classes, it, this is a thermodynamics problem. The thermodynamics doesn't work. We got energy when we released the CO2 
And in order to recapture the CO2, we need to use a lot more energy. And so what happens with all these technologies is that it takes a lot of energy to recapture the CO2, to sequester it, to pump it underground, to do something like that. And I, I think pumping it underground is crazy because it's going to come out eventually. So what ends up happening is this clean coal electricity, and theoretically it works, is very expensive. And at that point, why bother? Natural gas is better, and, and clearly solar and wind are better. So clean coal, theoretically yes, practically no. It's a myth. Okay, uh, number nine, um, and, and here's another one of those uh, old power sources that, that just doesn't kind of make sense anymore. Nuclear power. Um, a lot of people are saying that nuclear power is the best long-term power source. Well, it's a good idea. It works. We've had these reactors for, heck, 60, 70 years. Um, once you turn them on, they, they, there's a lot of moving parts. There's heat that's created from the nuclear reaction, runs through turbines. We're generating electricity. It's a fairly stable power source. So you just kind of keep running it all day and all night. Um, and it works. And uh, you know, some countries like France have a lot of nuclear. In the U.S., we used to have a lot more nuclear plants, but they're being retired pretty you know, steadily. We're down to fewer than 100 plants in the U.S., and, and they're being retired faster than they're being permitted and, and rebuilt. So the, the problem with nuclear is there's three issues. First, we still haven't figured out what to do with the nuclear waste. There's, it's just kind of piling up in, in, in ponds and, and pools at, at reactors all over the country. We have a nuclear waste disposal facility in Nevada that, uh, that everybody but Nevada wants, so that's not happening. Um, so we haven't figured out what to do with the nuclear waste. It's just piling up all over the country, um, old reactors, et cetera. And, and it's not just the fuel. It's the reactors become very um, radioactive themselves, and you got to kind of chop those up and encapsulate them. So the whole big reactor has to be buried somewhere. And we don't know where. Um, second problem, we have the occasional disaster. Fukushima was the most recent one. Remember Three Mile Island, Chernobyl. That's just kind of stuck in everybody's cultural brain, and, 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 and that just is scary. It disru disrupts entire countries. Countries. And the third problem is these nuclear plants are very expensive, um, and they're still expensive. And in spite of new nuclear technology, you know, these fast, smaller reactors, they're getting more expensive. So we've been trying to solve these problems without very much success. And while nuclear has been getting more expensive and, and even, you know, figuring in the fact that we're ignoring the problems, um, there's a social bias against nuclear and solar and wind are getting cheaper. All right. Myth number 10, last one. Because of energy efficiency, we use less power than before. If you look at the trends of, of electricity usage in the country, um, it's been steadily going up. Why? Because we've got a lot more gadgets. We've got appliances. We've got multiple TVs. We've got computers. We've got air conditioners. The whole country's got air conditioners now. We have electric vehicles. We're going to transition our, our driving from gas cars to electric vehicles. A lot more electricity is going to be used. Uh, and as electricity continues to get cheaper on an inflation-adjusted basis, we're going to start using it for heating. In Asia, they use heat pumps everywhere. And we're starting to do that here in the U.S. And heat pumps are pretty good because you don't need to use coal or, or natural gas. So even though our efficiency is much greater, we're continuing to use more electricity. Now, California is a little bit of an outlier. California has been kind of flat. Um, my guess is we're going to start going up again as we use more electric vehicles, but we've done a great job here. But in general, we will transition to a more um, electricity-intensive society, using more and more electricity as time goes by. Well, all right, those are my 10 misconceptions uh, or myths. And that's all the time we've got on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for joining us today. 
If you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcasts. Mm-hmm.